0: Welcome to The Crushing Depths, an LTM Gaming production, the main podcast from LTM Gaming. Not a subsidiary of any kind. This being the first session, uh, or the first episode of The Crushing Depths, uh, this bears explaining. This modern campaign, Modern D20, started actually in 2000... Crap, I forgot. 11. 2011. 2011 as one of our rotating campaigns. However, we did not start actually recording anything until the seventh session in 2012. Uh, And this kind of served as our warm-up recording. Uh, We were using different equipment and different methods, so things are a little bit different. Most of the recording was done just for our own record. Uh, So, quality is different, and... The episodes are recorded just as long form, and I'll be dividing them up and adding the intros and outros separately, so it's going to be probably just a canned intro and outro every time. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, For this particular one, in order to get all the backstory, we're going to go through the intro to the game that I gave the players, a little bit about them, and then they're going to do a recap of the sessions that we've missed because they're not recorded anywhere. So... To start with, this is a D20 modern game. The history is kind of an alternate future, so the history up to the end of the 2009 is the same as we know it in our world, uh, with notable exceptions being the births of the characters, obviously. In 2012, a viable nuclear fusion reactor was completed in California, with others promptly springing up around the world. This alleviated both power needs and freshwater needs by providing the power needed to desalinize seawater. In uh, 2014, super-efficient solar panels are developed, and more are launched into space the following year. Breakthroughs in superconductors prompt the United States to improve its energy grid, and by 2015, the country is completely energy-independent. Well, see, I wrote this in 2000... what? 2011? I wrote this in 2010.
1: That's okay. Even Back to the Future 2 got it wrong.
0: Yeah. So... The hell they did. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm, <the blind> <laughs> I'm just waiting for so, Pepsi Perfect The
0: decade from in in the game In the decade from 2012 to 2022 Was right, widely regarded in the current society As a golden age Not just in the US but around much of the world As peace and prosperity come to dominate Even on a crowded earth The prevailing wisdom is that humanity had gotten over a hump or passed a test And that a new age is dawning The new reliance on far cleaner and cheaper energy sources has a wide variety of impacts. Conflicts around the world dry up, as in many cases the underlying causes are access to resources. Computer technology advances rapidly in the 10 years, along with transportation infrastructure. Gasoline as a source of fuel becomes prohibitively expensive, though this is based primarily on extremely high tax rates. Nobody but gearheads really want to drive the old cars anyway, since even compared to current prices of gasoline, the electric is far cheaper. The drive to create reliable electric cars creates a mini economic boom, but the real advances in transportation come in the form of mass transit. High-speed electric rail connects most of the country, and even small communities have electric shuttle service. You guys never really used the high-speed electric rail. We we well, never went any. Further I was going to say, let you initially. go ahead and
2: finish this, and we'll explain <laughs> how you pigeonhole us to one area.
0: Uh, we don't trust. 20,
1: we don't trust things on rails.
0: Yeah. 2016 sees a joint mission by many of the countries involved in the International Space Station, with the addition of China and others, to establish a permanent base and subsequent colony on the moon. By 2020, there is sufficient framework, including a small civilian community, to launch a preparatory, automated mission to Mars with the intention of beginning possible long term terraforming for eventual human colonization. The mission occurs in two phases. The first is a mission which lands on Mars, performs research, and sends data back to Earth, and returns to Earth with samples for further research. See that happened. It hasn't returned, but you know, curiosity. Yep. The second sends a great deal of automated uh, equipment no, to Paul, Mars. Paul,
3: the documentary is coming. It just came out.
0: Right, right. This, I think that happened, That documentary is set in twenty thirty something. Anyway. They sent
3: it from the future?
0: They did. The second second mission sends a great deal of automated equipment to Mars to begin the terraforming process. It is believed that terraforming will occur slowly at first, but in the course of a few hundred years, Mars might have sufficient resources and atmosphere to support a limited amount of
2: human life. Elon Musk believes that we need to uh, colonize first and terraform second. But go ahead. I'm sure you're smarter than Elon Musk. I'm sure.
0: In 2022, the rice virus strikes in Asia, knocking out almost the entire rice harvest through Japan, China, Oceania, and India. Many believe the virus to be an alien microorganism brought back from the first mission to Mars, which later escaped into the wild. A year after, in 2023, the rice virus completes a trip around the world, despite researchers working furiously for a solution. Months after the acknowledgement that the rice virus had spread across the globe, the corn virus strikes, beginning in the breadbasket of the United States and spreading even faster than the rice virus before it. By 2024, Cas has engulfed most of Asia and the Pacific, and panic is setting in for the rest of the world, despite ample food reserves in many so-called first world nations. Another year, and a strange world war has begun. Research into defeating the viruses, such as it was, largely halts in the public public sphere as chaos spreads. There are really no national sides and only ethereal alliances. The world went from a golden age apex a mere two years before to the lowest of the low. By 2028, much of the damage was done, and the world settled down a great deal from the previous couple years. Mass starvation and the intensely bloody conflicts had reduced the world's population down to levels not seen since the first century CE, about 200 million people. This means that something like 7.5 billion people died in about five years. This was 97% Pause. of the world's total population. Oh, sorry.
3: What What was the year you said in that long spiel?
0: First century CE? No, no, no. Before then. 2028. I said a bunch of years. I don't know. You just said 2028. 2028.
3: So that's in the future of the game? No. Because I will on get your... there.
0: Jeez. Oh, We're go- I'm right. just starting with the history. When you guys are playing is later on. So uh, yeah, but this, this thing says
3: tr- winter 2026.
0: It- that was a flashback, Steve. Look,
3: see, it was
2: several years prior to the game. Okay, yeah. I'm still well, okay. okay,
0: anyway. So, this was 97% of the world's total population. By comparison, 60 million people only died in World War II. By 2030, with a significantly reduced population, resources are again flowing, and humanity is on the upswing again, or so we'd like to believe. The story begins on July 5th, 2031, in New York City. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's when we started with you guys. Uh, The current population hovers around half a billion people, roughly equivalent to the 12th century CE. Cities are eerily empty, though well-maintained, due to automated upkeep services. However, in large cities, emergency services are stretched very thin, owing to the proportionally small amount of people they have to service a large area. Cities are also far greener during this time than any time in the past. Excess space and deep concern for food supply spurs the vast majority of people to grow their own crops, even in the city. During the time of the crisis, most people arm themselves, whether to defend their meager resources or to try and capture some. This has continued to the present day, with many, if not most, people continuing to openly carry weapons. Heavy weapons and true machine guns are still rarely seen in civilian hands, but it would be possible to obtain a permit for such weapons if one could show need. Ballistic weapons powered by chemical explosions are still the norm, but the truly wealthy or well-connected may find they have other options uh computer technologies again on the march march after a hiatus during the crisis computers are generally cheap and ubiquitous and most home computers possess greater computational power than the human brain cell phones PDAs smartphones etc have been replaced by a device shaped like a g and worn over the ear like an oversized hearing aid in game we actually called this a couple different things um i said in this little intro but i want to make clear we call it sometimes the key as in qi or we also called it the IQ as like a product name. So this device can project onto walls or other surfaces. Some project into glasses to give a heads-up display. There's also the possibility to have surgery to permanently attach the device and tap it into your optic nerve, which none of the players took advantage of, which I can't imagine why not. I mean, Yeah, I can't think of a single disadvantage Single, I mean Seems like they maybe don't trust me For some reason
1: We're smarter than that
0: (laughs) No kidding
2: My character has good reasons
0: Uh huh uh most data transfers done digitally simply over the massive wireless network in place basically everywhere over small solid state data cubes handle transfer of data wish to be kept off the network. Pretty much every electronic device and other devices have well as well have the ability to be accessed over a wireless connection such that management of one's home and possessions can be done while sitting on a park bench a thousand miles away. Uh, development of artificial intelligence or research to that end is expressly outlawed by an international treaty, but rumors of clandestine AI facilities abound. Clandestine AI facilities abound. A lot of these I think I included these sort of uh, conspiracy theory ish rumors in this intro, specifically because of Steve's character and my own character. So that's why, uh, and that'll I mean, I'm sure Steve will have to explain. Wait, you that. had a
1: character? <laughs>
0: I I do have a character.
1: Mm. Uh, I can't wait to hear
0: all about you, it. You know, our yeah. best friend. Your best friend. Medical technology has advanced to the point where most people live to the age of 125 to 140. Many genetic diseases, diseases have been completely eradicated. Nanotechnology is used on a daily basis, especially in the medical field, but no nanite builders capable of replication exists publicly. After the crisis, emerging powers realized that contact with the moon colony had been cut off and tried to reestablish communication. Hearing nothing, a mission was launched to the moon and found all 2,300 members of the colony dead and rotting, though they would have been self-sufficient for decades without aid from Earth. The investigation of events on the moon is highly classified and the colony is in the process of being dismantled. Uh, politically speaking, North America is a single entity, including Central America to Panama, along with Europe and Russia. These three are closely allied. South America is struggling to unite, but is fairly stable. They receive much aid from the first three powers. Africa is mostly reclaimed by wilderness. The notable exceptions being population centers in Egypt, South Africa, and Morocco. Australia and New Zealand are also largely devoid of human life. The Middle East is one entity from Turkey and Egypt in the west to Iran in the east. Everything from Iran east to Japan and south to Oceania is still a raging conflict zone. Warlords control their own territories with the force of arms. Food is still scarce, limited to what people can grow on their own, hidden. No aid goes in. The powers that be choosing to wait for the region to settle down and the political situation to more clearly resolve itself. Some human rights groups do go in, claiming atrocities that cannot wait. It is rumored that part of the delay is a disagreement between Russia, now the U.S.R., and the EU about who best to support for unification in the region. With the population of the world so drastically reduced, many things that go bump in the night, which normally stay hidden, have begun to be more bold. Creatures thought to be myths have come out of the woodwork to seize what they see as an opportunity to try and tip the scales in their favor humans in the know realize that the so-called crisis of ten years ago was merely a catalyst the real crisis is now as humanity tries to find its feet again some groups of baddies may be out to inherit the whole world and eliminate humans some are simply out to carve a niche for themselves and others might simply be in it to enslave humanity for various reasons non-humans may be outright evil though many have, just have goals that do not mesh with human survival or continued existence as free people. Others just want to exist on their own, but run afoul of humans for their appearance or properties. Some few humans know and fight, but most either don't realize that it's happening or simply laugh the stories off. And we will go through our characters. So we'll start with Matt, who is playing Russet Russ Barrow.
1: Well, it's actually Russet Burbank
0: Barrow. Oh. I was going to say, your middle name's not Russ. Yeah. Well, it's goes, I have he goes Russ. He goes by rust it R- goes As by Russ. Meat. Yes.
2: Of the Idaho Barrows,
1: I.
0: <laughs> this this was Matt's big excuse to have have potato puns. Yes. <laughs> well, I.
1: Um, <laughs> Paul set it up with, uh, you know, we lost what we said. We lost rice. We lost wheat. Mm. Corn. Rice. Rice and, and corn. corn. Yeah.
0: So you should so, have been a wheat baron.
1: Well, it could have been wheat, but people have gluten allergies, so <laughs> come, bow before the temple of the potato. <laughs> Viva la papa. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my background was, uh, I was born on the uh, December 20th, 2012, which was the last day of the uh, long count uh, calendar, uh, and my mother uh, went into early labor uh, because uh, she got worked up about the end of the world. Uh, Man, remember course. when that was a thing? Yeah, I mean, it was topical at the time. <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> See, again, this is going to be a history lesson someday.
0: The world did uh, not end. Just the, you know, The f- f- world FYI. didn't
1: end. It's just a normal day. Um, or did it? <laughs> <laughs> we we just haven't f- figured it out yet.
3: Right, we're all in the matrix. Yep.
1: So anyway, uh, Russ grew up in uh, Arco, Idaho, and uh, his father was an inventor. Uh, worked with, uh, some, uh, uh, robotics, uh, tried building, uh, robotic tractors, uh, basically drone tractors to help make, uh, potato farming more efficient and, uh, easier. And, uh, partially what, uh, got Russ into, uh, mechanical things, uh, as well as, uh, the outdoors, uh, where he lived, uh, he and his father took a, uh, long motorcycle trip before he started school, uh for a geography lesson and uh, he's had a, a lifelong love of motorcycles as well since then after uh basically after the rice and corn viruses hit uh, there are a number of uh different articles and uh, news stories that came out and uh, one of them was responsible for coining the term of potato baron and uh, uh, our family uh, as well as a couple of others uh, qualified under that since uh, we'd had uh very Sustainable, uh, potato farms to begin with, and we were, uh, providing a much needed source of uh, nutrition with them. So in any sort of a food crisis, of course, uh, once word of that got out, you know, many people flocked to the, uh, valleys of Idaho, trying to get their hands on potatoes, uh, trying to find any sort of food or work. And, uh, things started to get ugly. Uh, so, uh, Russ ended up having to have a, uh, education and, uh, Firearms and basically, uh, with the, uh, the hired hands for the uh, farm, they basically ran a militia, uh, to be able to keep their uh, potato farm running without having looters come and take everything. It was along those, along those lines that basically they ran a follow of a uh, motorcycle gang called the Hell's Eagles and, uh, ended up, uh, the Hell's Eagles basically swore revenge on them for, you know, the deaths in their group, uh, and I came back one night and, uh, there was a major, uh, struggle and, uh, Russ's parents were, were killed in the process and, uh, Russ kind of went nuts and kind of saved the day, but it, it was just pretty much lost everything as far as his family. Uh, so after that he was kind of lost and decided he wanted to try to put everything behind himself. And, uh, since things have started to stabilize, he basically decided he needed to get out of Idaho and, uh, kind of wanted to further his education, but wasn't really sure what to do. So he's traveled to uh New York, trying to enroll in school, take some classes until he finds something that interests him. And in the meantime, um, he's uh, he's been matched on a dating site with uh, what will be uh, Sal's daughter, Isabel. And uh, they've met a couple times, and he found her to be interesting, but didn't really have a romantic connection, but kind of seemed to fall in more with her father and uh, his friends. And uh, lives down the street from uh Crop Squares uh the coffee shop. As far as his character himself, he's a uh, fast hero and uh is definitely kind of quick to pull out the gun, has no uh doesn't feel honor bound to fight fair, uh, he'll do what it takes to win. So that's mostly him, I think. So
0: Alright. Let's hear from Steve. Uh
3: my character is Vanessa Faraday. Nessie. She is... Yes. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what I called her. That would have been what other people called her, and Uh, I didn't like it. Okay. Vanessa Faraday was born to a rich family from Kentucky. Her parents were originally from the Midwest, so she didn't talk in an accent therefore making my character expressly not to have to talk in an accent <laughs> and i'm staring at paul digitally while i say this unbeknownst to vanessa the family fortune came from illegal arms dealing as a result of all of the fighting that was going on uh, either internationally or domestically uh, probably more in the pacific rim area i believe is where you said most of the fighting was occurring uh was cons- when it was bad uh, it was
0: all over yeah sure it's um, still happening in in right asia out there she was raised
3: very conservative christian home was homeschooled and at a very young age firmly fell into this notion that she was abducted by aliens and that aliens had been shaping all of human uh existence from basically the dawn of man that at least, at least, you know, uh, as of 6,000 ish years ago, uh, humanity has been guided by aliens. Any account of a God or a, a powerful person was actually either a, an alien or a hybrid created by the aliens combining human and alien DNA. Uh, she attests, or she attributes her low level psychic powers. I think you, uh, from a functional standpoint, you had to st- start with the wild talent feat.
0: Yes. I'm going to talk about that if, if you okay. Feel well, free to talk about it however you want. Uh,
3: that was the, the kind of the basis for it. I, mechanically, I don't remember why we went there, but we did. And, oh no, we all got.
0: Yep. wild talent in yep. some way. That's yep. right. That's and right. It, it, well, no, I won't say anything else about it.
3: In short, Vanessa was shipped off to a convent, believing that she'd had too much time to herself, too much time to spend on the internet, what it, you know, as it was and learning about all these things. And they believe that she should instead learn to be a good Christian girl. Well, she left the convent fairly quickly Took her whole trust fund and moved to New York. She enrolled and became very well educated. Still very paranoid. Still very uh, flighty in terms of what she believed. And started an occultish type bookstore called Crop Squares that also doubled as her home. Uh, occultish in that it, it, it. This is a future where they're, where print books would be exceptionally rare and more of a novelty than. Anything functional, she would have a fair selection, but they would also be what would be in kind of our terms now would be like new agey with crystals and hoodoo bags or just random things that almost certainly did nothing, but she believed, you know, that it had the potential to. Um My character kind of, or at least I envisioned my character Rounding out the role of being the, the money person, the person who could provide cash flow to fund whatever crazy adventures we were going to go on. The, the researching type, my character heavily specialized in the skill research and, and similar intelligence based skills. And then kind of the third part was that she could be the face of the group. I had a high charisma, didn't put a ton into the relevant skills right away. Uh, mostly feeling that the character at least was starting off kind of shy and not, not utilizing that charisma that, that she naturally had. Uh, but I felt that I kind of looked down the path and said that this character could easily become the face of the group when the group needed to talk, you know, kind of the the party spokes, spokesman if you will. Uh once again, stat-wise, very high in intelligence and charisma. Everything else was near the, you know, near the bottom. Uh I remember early on st- stating that she very much downplayed her looks by wearing sweats and Baggy sweatshirts, and that her look was akin to a to Amanda Peet.
0: Oh so, yeah, I forgot about that.
3: But my character had glasses, so. Okay, Steve. Anything? Did I read anything? Yeah,
0: it's good. Okay, TJ.
2: Silvestro John uh is known as Sal. He was born in uh, 1986. Let's see. So around the time that the golden age was just starting in 2011, Sal had already been married and had kids. He was working at the time at the New York Stock Exchange. Oh, no, wait. Sorry. Uh, so by the early 2000s, the market crashed and uh he lost a lot of his money there he left for a period of time to go to asia to go and drive up some more startup capital to be able to you know get back into the game however he ended up spending 10 years in thailand instead and
0: blowing his seed money on opium
2: yeah Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so obviously, you know, 10 years of doing Coke in, uh, Thailand leads to him, you know, having some very strange memories of that time. When his money did eventually run out and he was booted out of the opium den, he ended up finding a position on as a seaman on a ship, was able to travel stateside and managed to return just before the uh, rice virus took hold he managed to get back to New York uh, just as things were really starting to go bad and uh, although he begged his wife who he had abandoned for 10 years to take him back uh, she declined having already moved on with her life but uh, allowed him to still play a role in his daughter's life However, uh, during one of the very bad months When food was particularly scarce uh, His wife ended up getting trampled In a uh, stampede for food And since that time uh, Sal has taken in his daughter full time And uh, he lives with his parents In a farm uh, outside the city um, uh,
0: Did you just think that part up about, about the trampling?
2: I don't think so.
0: Well, I don't remember that at all. Nor do I. I knew she died in the in like the violence, but I didn't know it was supposed to be a, a stampede where she was crushed.
2: mob swarmed angry grocery stores on delivery day more violently than a toy store ever on a Black Friday, and during one trip to get food, Sal's ex-wife was fatally injured by crowds. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: So technically, someone could have just stabbed her.
2: Sure, sure, okay, but I mean,
3: trampling sounds probably better. Yeah,
2: my well, the image, the imagery that I was trying to draw, you know, saying uh, mob's form grocery stores on delivery day more violently than any toy store ever saw on a Black Friday. So I, my intention was always for it to be, you know, trampled, you know, crushed in the crowd. Um, so well, it could that, have been
1: a wild elephant.
2: Yes, it could, could have, it have been be. Stampy. Although I don't know that Stampy counts as a wild elephant.
0: Okay. Anything else?
2: Oh, I guess technically it wasn't his parents' house. It was his house. Uh, it was his spare house that his wife had somehow managed to maintain, you know, like separate wow. out from his accounts. But that, we may parents, have
0: called it your parents' house later on.
2: His parents yeah. lived there, but it was yeah. definitely his house. Uh,
0: and did you mention your daughter? Uh,
2: I I didn't mention her name but I mentioned her. Uh, So my daughter's name is Izzy and uh, my parents are Enzo and Carmella. They're also very important to the story. (laughs) Sal's entire family, important to the story.
0: Yes. My character that I played extensively his name is (laughs) Leonid Ribkin or also known as Leo who he was born in 2003 in Russia and therefore uh, is 28 years old when the story opens
3: Paul why don't you um, give us an example of the accent you used the whole time you played this character (laughs) in the description that you give so kind of read it as if he was reading his Uh, own
0: uh, autobiography he was a very small man standing at 5'2 I can't do a Russian accent that was good that was better than everything I ever did he came with his family to the United States in 2013. Are you, Wait, are
3: you doing Russian or Kissinger? <laughs> <laughs> Henry Kissinger. Uh,
0: he speaks with a heavy Russian accent, and he's an extremely pleasant man, having a ready smile for almost everyone. He's inclined to believe the best about people, which can make him seem naive. He was a police officer turned enforcer during the crisis, and he refuses to talk about that time of his life. He hates violence and will only turn to it as an absolute,
2: absolute last resort. It's amazing. I mean, we really pressed him on his past and he just never yes. told us.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, I just, I did want to add sessions,
2: just asking about it
0: that we set up the story as these four being already inseparable friends and knowing each other. Uh, Leo, Vanessa and Sal have all been friends since 2021. Leo and Vanessa met at her bookstore after Leo was turned 18 and went on his own he has a great deal of interest in conspiracy theories, um, so they got along with that, and uh, part of the reason he stayed was an initial crush on Vanessa, which matured into a healthy friendship. Uh, Sal was told to check out the store for answers about his own experiences in Thailand and left with more questions and a couple new friends. They helped each other survive the crisis and helped support Sal when his wife died in 2025. Russ met the group on a failed date with Izzy, Sal's daughter, which Sal insisted take place at Vanessa's coffee house. Much to Isabella's uh, chagrin and to Sal's relief, Russ was more attracted to Vanessa on that initial date than Izzy. He instantly hit it off with the rest of the group, and they have been inseparable since. The bookstore serves, as, or Crop Squares, serves as their typical hangout, and they are most often there when not working or sleeping. Vanessa and Leo live in the two apartments above the store, and is not far from the City College of New York, where... No, that's not right. Didn't we change that? Where does
2: Russ go to school? I thought it was NYU or well, Columbia.
1: Well, no, that's what it, it started yeah, it was, as, but then I think we decided it was just, like, New York University or...
2: Oh, do we rename it? it?
1: no. no. I don't, but later on didn't, Isn't that why we ended up Underneath
0: Columbia I'm pretty sure Yes Columbia, sure, yes, Columbia. It's, I have it in, in Different places It's different in my notes It's Columbia yeah. It yeah. should be Columbia I was
1: going to well, okay. so, I think I it started exactly off As one And I think it got Right kind of to right. Something else and, Yeah and It's just right. like what, yeah. Whatever one is still left Because I think we decided There'd only be like One school left <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, All, all schools are um,
2: NYU And all restaurants Are Taco yes. Bell
0: <laughs> Yeah So then, it's you, not far from uh, Russ had his own yeah. apartment uh, off campus Sal lives outside the New York City proper But he's often found crashing in the guest room somewhere If it's not growing season and then helping on the farm And the four are all minorly psionic slash psychic I will be using the terms interchangeably And this enhances and strengthens their bond Even if they don't know it
2: So We mostly don't know it
0: um, Most Well, yeah, in the beginning <laughs> um, I don't think any of them knew it Quote unquote, except for Vanessa, who knew it, even though she maybe didn't, kn- well, what, you think Farhand was your initial yep. wild talent, so you probably did know it. It'd be yep. hard to, unless you're just delusional. Uh, yes. Also yes. <laughs> yes to everything. <laughs> the story actually starts on Saturday, June 5th, 2031, 4pm, at 985 Amsterdam Avenue, New York City. Uh, this is the site of Crop Square's. And, uh, I did use or am using, this, this is hard to get the tense right in this intro since we're doing it after the fact.
2: Actual uh, <laughs> addresses?
0: Uh, I used Google Earth, uh, to, and used actual addresses and actual directions with the caveat that not everything is exactly the same and that a lot of buildings, because the population is so low, a lot of buildings have been destroyed or changed in order to accommodate. Uh, the current population and the ne- ne- need for open spaces for growing. So, I used actual addresses and actual roads, but like you can't go to New York and think that it's going to match.
1: And, in case
3: you were thinking about trying, right? Intrepid listener.
1: Or following is... our many adventures in right.
0: real life. You could. You could. Uh, that'll be like we'll have to sell campaign maps. You can follow along
2: as you listen. It's gonna be really expensive mm-hmm. later. This is no, on. we had the no, flash mob. Paul,
1: Paul, <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want to do that. Why? Because everyone's gonna fail the skill challenges as bad as we did, and people are gonna hurt oh. themselves <laughs> trying to run or through alleys we'll, or get and... lost
0: in New York City. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we we start inside Crop Square's. The layout of the store is typical downtown shop, long and skinny. Front door is flanked by two large windows which led in the light of a mostly sunny, beautiful summer day. An elevator to the basement and the two apartments above can be accessed from the street, but only with a proper registered IQ code. Russ and Sal both have access to Leo's apartment, The first floor walls are lined with bookshelves, which do not only contain books, but other esoteric objects Vanessa has picked up over the years, some with significance, some simply because of their appearance. Simple tables dominate the area near the front doors, and a counter curves out from one brick wall. The bar serves as a display, a register area, and a perch, behind which Vanessa can survey the entire first floor. Behind the counter are more shelves and cases with perhaps more valuable, either real or sentimental items. A seating area of couches and comfortable chairs surrounds a fireplace off to a side as well as a help-yourself table of coffee, tea, fruit, and other small pastries. Payment for these items are, is collected wirelessly over the IQ devices, as with basically everything else in the shop. The door separates Hello. the back area.
3: Yeah. It, you said, if I heard you correctly, you said that the cases were filled with either the more expensive things.
0: Or things or... that Vanessa things are... Right, you, important
3: you said, you said imaginary so like they're not even really
0: in the, the case <laughs> they're just, just they're are little they tags are. They're, there's like a little uh, label and then nothing behind it it's like right, right. U- unicorn horn $13 right. there's nothing you can, there they're invisible emperor's
2: yep. new clothes $429 <laughs> <laughs>
0: A door separates the back area from the public area. Here, Vanessa has a small office, which she probably never uses, a small private seating area, and a spiral staircase which leads to the apartments above. There's a back door. There's a stairway at the back of the shop which leads down to a basement seating area with larger tables, more comfortable seating, and more shelving. The front half of the basement is walled off and is a private area with more extensive shelving, a kitchen area, access to the elevator, and an old door with access to an old sidewalk access. hatch. How many times did I say access in that sentence? Mhm. Um, Thirty-two. Thirty-two. So that sets the scene, and now you guys get to give as best you remember from years ago. Two thousand eleven. So four years ago,
2: almost exactly four years ago. Almost exactly four years ago. <laughs> what happened?
0: And we're actually going to leave it right there for this week. I know it's a bit short. But this is a good stopping place. The characters are introduced, the scene is set, and next time you'll tune in to hear how well we do cramming six sessions worth of gaming into about an hour's worth of audio. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, you can find us online at ltmgaming.com, on Twitter at ltmgaming, or reach us via email at podcast at ltmgaming.com. We love to hear your thoughts and questions. We do appreciate any five-star ratings you'd like to leave on iTunes, or let a friend know that you'd like this podcast. Uh, Tune in next week for the next installment of The Crushing Depths.